0: In addition to those who support the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash by River Cruise, we are indebted to our corporate sponsors. This week's show is brought to you by Ore Ikumen Childcare Gear.
1: Are you a dad in Japan? Do you have anything at all to do with the cleaning, feeding, or education of your children? If you said yes, you're an Ikumen. Ikumen are men who aren't scared to do a little Ikuji. Which literally translates as childcare and culturally translates as women's work. And it's no coincidence that it sounds like ikemen, which means handsome dude, because we're pretty sure that being an ikumen also makes you extremely desirable to the opposite sex. And if you're a dad in Japan, statistically, you probably think it's okay to capitalize on that. So why not wear your ikumen status proudly with Ore Ikumen Childcare Gear? changing mats, bottle holsters, and condom pouches, all with unique branding that says, I want credit for occasionally doing stuff that I see as my wife's job. Ore Ikumen Child care Gear. Let the world know that while you might be wearing a diaper bag, you're actually just a douchebag. And welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo.
2: And I'm Ali Horn. And joining us this week is Dan Yoder, startup founder and guy who gets way more podcast downloads than we do, as co host of the very entertaining bilingual The Konichiwa podcast and what I'm assuming is the more popular Boating Around Japan podcast. Dan, we are a huge fan of one of those podcasts. Hey, hey. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. On this week's show, Japan and the world at large continue to grow ever more dismaying. But like Roberto Benigni and Life is Beautiful, we still have to try to convince our children that we're not in a death camp. We'll talk to Dan about the challenges of trying to raise a multicultural family while living in a monoculture. We'll ask, does teaching foreign values make children less Japanese? Shouldn't a child learn to speak proper Japanese before filling their little head up with English stuff? And some other questions my Japanese father-in-law doesn't actually want an answer to. Plus, ali has got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Yes, Bobby. This week's recommendation is
0: a sponsored river cruise, the International Waters River Cruise, run by what appears to be a private medical clinic. They haven't given us any details about the cruise itself other than it costs ten thousand US dollars for the trip and they are specifically targeting business executives. The dress code is any clothing that allows quick and easy access to the upper arm, and the marketing pamphlet guarantees the passengers will feel immune from the main worries of the world. Sounds lovely.
2: Also, the jet program finally makes a foray into the high-stakes world of river cruise operation. Their innovative business plan is to bring in riverboat workers from abroad. And although none of them will actually be qualified to work on a riverboat, it's hoped that they'll bring about more grassroots internationalization. And they hope to accomplish that mainly by having a statistically significant percentage of their employees marry the locals. More on that later, but first, Soap Talk. Dan, I spent uh the last couple of days catching up on the most recent episodes of the Konnichiwa podcast, which you are one of three hosts of, and I've got a very pressing mm. question. Uh how many times a day so do you many. wash your hands? Somewhere between 5
3: and a 100. <laughs> I'm narrowing in I'm narrowing in on a number here.
0: <laughs> Can I just say by pure accident we managed to have had the most authentic
2: soap talk we've ever had? <laughs> yes. Yeah? yeah. So your last we did episode it. <laughs> Very congratulations we can end the podcast now <laughs> um, the last episode you talked about uh things that so i, I should just say like the konichiwa podcast is this bilingual Conversation that happens across Japanese and English, and it's kind of designed for people to practice their listening skills.
0: Bobby listens to it on repeat, by the way. Sweet. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I should. I misspoke. Bobby listens to one episode on repeat, by the way.
3: Mm. Yeah, I noticed that episode. The numbers are climbing, but you're gonna have to <laughs> yeah, check specifically
0: <laughs> from one IP address and specifically Fikulka. this check one IP the address on <laughs> it's,
2: it's a very good episode. Uh, but yeah, uh, you talk about all different you know topics. Kind of one of you picks a topic each week, and you and Maya and Uda. And uh, Uda's topic for the last episode was this bizarre list that I would love to know the providence of, but I I still don't know. I I'm, I'm clueless. It was things that sold well during the stay home period during Corona lockdowns in Japan.
3: Yeah, things that didn't. That before Corona weren't really selling or weren't really a thing, but thanks to Corona, they kind of became really popular. But the things on the list were things like um, whipped cream and vanilla, and I, and I know flour. those are new things, like yeah. like <laughs> cooking flour.
2: Well, this was this was yeah.
3: like
0: why why wasn't the PCR test on the top of the list? Yeah, good
2: one. <laughs> yeah, like you guys guessed at stuff like toilet paper and uh, and masks and things like that that definitely sold more than anything else but my suspicion the impression that i got was that she was looking at some sort of buzzfeed list that a staff writer had just put it together based on what they felt like that day
3: yeah i, I had a, a similar theory but it was just that udia panicked and more or less i found like the world's <laughs> worst list and then kind of had to stick with it because it was her list but <laughs> yeah
2: well i think the the randomness and kind of like the weird stuff that comes up is what makes it such a good listen. And one of my favorite moments from my favorite show, uh, the one that I was on, was how I started mm. talking about the Saga Balloon Festival. And out of nowhere, Mai was just like, nope, can't deal with balloons because of the time I worked for Virgin Air and crashed in a hot air balloon. And we got this random story <laughs> yeah. about her crashing in a hot air balloon. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy story.
0: The the virtue of your podcast, though, is that you, you do just flip from one topic to another and that really does train your ear right because you're having to be exposed to vocabulary that you may not be familiar with yeah and also you, you do so in a nice way i mean none of you unlike our podcast which is we have a hard agenda and we have failed unless our listeners feel sad at the end of it uh, than, than than start <laughs> uh, like you know we're, we're light entertainment in name only uh, like you do have this kind of friends sitting at starbucks just you know Pontificating kind of vibe, and it's very—I must say—it's very, very listenable. Thank you, thank you.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're we're three friends, and we're sort of separated by by distance, and we get together once a week to record. So it's sort of an opportunity for us to catch up, and it really does kind of feel like friends who are just meeting out. Um, and we're also really like we kind of have a lack of agenda, and that's a good thing and a bad thing because our our shows are really kind of um, I'd say. They, they can go, it can go either way. Sometimes it's like, what are we even talking about right now? But, but at the same time, you know, it gives variety and there's kind of a, a little bit of a sense of the unexpected that might pop up here and there.
0: Well, I think this week we're going to take a leaf out of your podcast and, uh... Normally, we, we address something newsworthy each week, which is kind of us responding in a state of panic and trying to <laughs> trying to make it funny uh, and relatable um, and, and having to be responsive and have this nasty sense of urgency. Your podcast has none of that. So we're going to try that this week and talk about some news, which is five years old, which is Bobby's Got Twins.
2: Yeah. Instead of uh, obsessing over the present, we're going to obsess over the future. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, let's
0: take a look at the news from five years ago. Bobby, this week we're going to talk about having kids. So while you two natter, I'm going to go and party with my disposable income.
2: Cool. Have fun dying alone. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, tracking a handful of news media <laughs> trends, uh, starting with the Nike commercial that we talked about uh, last year with Baye McNeil, uh, focusing on uh, you know half or non-ethnically Japanese children. Um, but also, Unseen Japan recently linked to NHK did a show where they presented survey results about children of LGBT families, and it's really got me hoping mm. that there's uh, increased media attention and focus given to you know families that are non-traditionally Japanese, uh, and it got me thinking uh, about you know what it's like raising you know mixed race children raising non-traditionally japanese children in this culture so i wanted to have uh dan on to talk about it um kind of as as two dads in japan uh what we see mm. uh in you know the current japanese environment what it's like raising children that we hope will be multicultural in a monoculture so just for the avoidance of doubt bobby has
0: twins adorable mm-hmm. i love them both a bits and dan i've not Met your child. Yes. Sounds a bit sinister when I said that, <laughs> not it? But I mean that in a nice way. And uh, I, mean to, I, mean I mean to keep it that way. <laughs> Dan, I've not yet had the pleasure. Uh, could, could you could you please talk about your children uh, in a way
3: that <laughs> doesn't make me sound like a creep, please? Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I have a daughter. She is four years old. She'll be five pretty soon. And yeah. um, she's born and raised here in Japan. And your wife is half Japanese, correct? My wife is half Japanese. Yeah, she's very much, um, more or less, I would say, kind of culturally Western. In that she, her Japanese level is well better than mine. Um, we're still, you know, not native speakers by by any means. Mm-hmm. But your daughter is. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, pretty soon she'll be correcting me. So she's really she's like a Hakata Ben master as well. Learning some stuff.
0: Oh goodness me. So do you reckon that day is going to come that you get a letter, there's a word you can't read, you have to go to your own six-year-old daughter to get it read for you?
3: Yeah, like it's kind of weird because my Japanese level is also kind of all over the place. I'm really good at, at, well, that might be pushing it, I'm moderately okay at some aspects of Japanese and then other aspects that are kind of very basic, I just mess up all the time. Um, like yeah, I said, my grammar is just really odd, whereas my my kanji reading is is comparatively really good. So I, I think it already, like she'll come back from school. She's four yeah. years old, and she'll say a word, and I just don't know the word, or like her her the way she uses her grammar. But I'm not sure because her grammar is
2: also pretty suspect. Um, <laughs> <she's>... <laughs> yeah. You gotta you gotta balance it with like, well, she does have more native exposure, but she is four. Yeah. Uh, I I get the same thing. And Ali, I think you might be surprised with like how fast that day comes. Because my girls will correct both me and my wife. They'll correct my Japanese pronunciation. They'll Mm -hmm. go, you're you're not saying that right. You're supposed to say it with this intonation. And they'll turn around and they'll do the same thing Mm -hmm. to their mom uh, with English. I think they really Mm -hmm. do kind of like having both from a young age gives you this mastery. gives you this native level fluency in both. And they sound like right little madams doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> Stru- <laughs> Strolling around the place. Wrong. Wrong. I should, I should <laughs> amend that and say I hope that it ultimately gives them native level fluency in both. Because the big concern is raising them here and having their English level... Uh, Hit the same native level fluency as somebody raised in the states, right, Dan? Uh, Yeah,
3: for me, that is kind of less of a concern because of the fact that um, while my wife is a Japanese citizen, uh, English is um, basically—I mean, everything we watch, you know, Netflix and everything—we're not—we're not not sort of—we're like a foreign couple in Japan, um, even though my wife is a Japanese citizen. So it's a little—it's a bit of a complex situation. Um, so I'm actually kind of more concerned about her keeping up her Japanese level because she doesn't have anyone to go to. Like if she comes home from school and she doesn't know something, uh, you know, that's kind of like, sorry, Ah. (laughs) kid, can't help you there. Yeah.
0: And actually this is something which a lot of my friends who are first generation immigrants in the UK, this is something which they've faced that their parents have have come in. Sorry. My friends would be second generation. Is that how it works? If your parents have come in while they're adults, than your second oh. generation. Anyway, they're, they're <laughs> British, but they had exactly that. That, and, and it's not just a language thing. It's also just not having been in that school system, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, a disadvantage that they might have is, well, their parents don't haven't taken that particular exam, irrespective mm. of whether they know the, the the stuff in the exam or not. It's just they haven't... They're not familiar with how the school system works because they went to a completely different one. So maybe there's more than just culture, just language. It's also culture, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah I, I get the sense from most of the people that I talk to that that the main concern is that Japanese overtakes the non-Japanese language if you're going to school and raising your kids in yeah. Japan. Dan, do you think that school will eventually you know compensate for uh, the home environment being all English? Because there's so many people who try I'm... to do what you have. There's so many people mm. who strive for a 100% home English environment. Man, I do.
3: Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm hoping, but I also don't want her to have this sort of, like, I don't know, this, like, complete separation. Like, school is... Japanese, home is English sort of thing. So I try as much as possible to kind of when I pick her up from school and when we come home, I'll speak to her in Japanese and kind of just, I don't want her to have that kind of dividing line because she is Japanese. She doesn't look Japanese at all, but, um, you know, that, I mean, that's sort of what we're talking about is that kind of non-traditional Japanese person, like, and she's very much viewed as a foreigner at school and that's just sort of the way it is, but I want her to feel comfortable, um, with being able to kind of hold her own in Japanese.
2: So before we get into this issue of um, of you know being identified as a foreigner or, or not being treated the same as other Japanese kids at school, which mm-hmm. I think has got to be a huge concern for anybody with uh, parents, for any parents who who have children who are getting ready to go into school in Japan. What do you do to support her her language to support her bilinguality? Um. So, for
3: example, for the past about starting about a year ago, maybe maybe more, I started teaching her Hiragana, um, and Katakana, and I actually focused on that instead of English. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife taught her her English, and she's you know she's she's doing really well in that as well. But I really put kind of a, a focus on on that, and she can read all her Hiragana, and her Katakana is not too bad either now. So. Um, yeah just just kind of making an effort i don't have like some grand sort of strategy but just really kind of making a point of yeah. kind of introducing Japan- japanese into the house
2: yeah i think um One concern that I usually hear from parents who end up sending their kids to uh, international schools is that they don't teach Kokugo, which is Japanese language. They don't Mm. teach Kokugo in Mm. international schools the same way they do in Japanese public and private schools. So if you send your kids to, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if you're living in Japan and you send your kids to an international school, you might end up with like a sixth grader or a middle schooler or a high schooler who can't read and write kanji. And right. if you're going to be living your adult life in Japan or, or any of your formative years in Japan, like that's something that could handicap you hugely and further set you apart, like you were you were expressing concern about.
0: And also the the, the pressure's on, because they are gonna blame you. Like I'm angry with my parents <laughs> that they didn't just make me learn the piano age three. Yeah.
3: Like such a it was such a ball ache to start when I was fifteen. Mm. Tell me about it. No, we're we're planning on sending her to regular public school, so I mean that's that's sort of the plan, and that's sort of by by design. Like um, we we don't want to put her in international school because sort of as much as possible, try and break down those sort of um, almost like expected things because we get asked that a lot, right? Like you know, yeah. oh, is is your daughter going to go to international school? Kind of like, well, no, we we live here. She's Japanese. At sort a of why would she kind of thing is what is sort of the. Obviously, not, not like I've got a huge chip on my shoulder about it, but yeah. I'd like to sort of just have that be the norm.
0: Do you think that there should be an element of self-determination that at some point your kids are going to be old enough to start doubling down on one of the two identities or making a decision about where they want their future to be?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't presume to. I, there's only so so far I can kind of, um, you know, railroad Nudge. this my, my, grand, my grand design for what things are going to be. Um, and I, I have heard that at some point, kids really tend to choose a language as being mm. um, sort of the one that they kind of latch onto. Of course, most of the couples I know are the the one parent is foreign and one is Japanese, and so it's it's from what I from talking to a, a lot of different people, a lot of children tend to latch onto Japanese because that's what their friends at school are speaking, and yeah. that um, is sort of what. You know they they've probably spoken japanese with their mother or father in the household um, but we don't have that so i'm not sure that we're gonna run into that issue um there could be other issues that we'd run into but i'm, I'm not sure that that's one that that we're gonna have yeah. to deal
2: with well in terms of the self-determination i mean there there are questions of like how much do you let your kid choose their own way and definitely most people i speak to say at some point in their life um, mixed race kids tend to go through this phase where they find that being given extra attention for mixed race makes them feel alienated. And so they shy Mm -hmm. away from the foreign aspects of their identity or their personality, or they get embarrassed that their parents aren't Japanese, and they try to heighten and play up their Japanese-ness. But also at the same time, like, to what extent does a four-year-old or a five-year-old know what's good for themselves in the future isn't it kind of the parents job to choose what they think is the best for the future for as long as they can because like i've considered international school and i do think it would help my kids socialize better and get a more japanese education for a life in japan to go to public schools but Mm -hmm. my girls will say stuff like you know it'd be nice if we went to a school where we had more friends who spoke english but Mm -hmm. they'll also say stuff like they want to try to eat a pine cone so like, <laughs> like, what do you, what, what do
0: well, you do? As a responsible father, you've got to do both. Yeah. You've got to gather around some friends and have a pinecone feast. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think talking to my wife, I think one regret that she has, I don't know if it's not really a regret f- for herself, more the, a regret about the way that she was raised is that her Japanese isn't better. Mm. Um, and I think that because kids will kind of choose the easy way out a lot, yeah. um, And, and in a way, I I think you're right to a point, you know, obviously you have to strike a balance, but, um, setting your kid up for, you know, I guess as potentially successful a life as you can give them is kind of your job
2: yeah and one thing i can say about that point in particular is that you know parents kind of looking at how they wish their lives had turned out and then creating structures for their children based on that is mm. always the most successful thing that you yeah, can right. do <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that explains uh, the girls
0: getting podcast mics for their christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> so t- talking of things which uh, you can do to embarrass your children uh, w- one thing which which clearly embarrasses uh mixed-race people in Japan is that they they stick out, right? I mean, basically yeah. all of my mixed-race friends yeah. has some story of someone saying, hey, you don't look Japanese, and them having to, to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Pre- presumably at this age, th- both of them have already had those kind of comments, and you've started to think about coping
2: strategies? Uh, so just recently, I- I've always been very aware of it because I'm super sensitive to diversity and inclusion issues in Japan. I mean, as an adult coming here, I... I- like felt discriminated against in that uh very white person way but um
0: but I'm really sorry to hear about that english menu story you had at mcdonald's <laughs> man I'm, I'm still i'm still with you you were wrong you, do you were remember wrong.
2: that do you remember that joke one of my my favorite jokes that always did really well um in a, a japan stand up crowd was about you know foreigners in japan having lots of stuff in common like, for example, you know, like if you're black in Japan, you know, people might think that you're scary or avoid talking to you, or if you're Korean, hate groups might target your school, or like people people compliment my chopstick use. So we all face discrimination is, uh, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, um, just recently, my girls were at a playground, and on the way back from the playground, I heard them talking to each other about how when other kids at the playground look at them and go, are those foreigners? Are they speaking English, their conclusion was that when that happens to them, they should try to avoid those kids. And those kids don't mean anything by mm-hmm. it. I mean they're curious. Like they, they want to see what's going yeah. on.
3: Yeah. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, I think, um, if that's the right expression, not enough. But like yeah. there's this element of 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 kind of desire to be um to be noticed. Coupled yeah. with a sort of, you know, I, and actually little known fact, I grew up in Japan. I, I came here for the first time when I was three years old mm. um, and I lived here for, for years. And and I, so I have some of the similar experiences that I see my daughter having because she is like, she's even blonder than I am. I don't know how that works, something about genetics, but... Um. <laughs> she's she's like crazy blonde yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait a minute
0: i'll be
1: i'll be right i'll be right
3: <laughs> 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 genetics is crazy <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but she's she's like super foreign looking so like there's um, nobody thinks for a moment. I like. I literally had an old man stop me in the supermarket when she was a baby, and he starts like asking me like what percentage of like you know what percentage Japanese was she like was she no ichika or something like it. it kind of yeah, you know, yeah. they get really like they're really just dissecting the like, the genetic makeup of your kid. How angry should um, I
1: but, be at this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, express yeah, yeah. it in a fraction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. What what
3: number could you say when he was like, "Very well." Uh. Carry carry
1: on then. Yeah,
3: yeah. No, but but to my point is just that I think there's kind of a it's a double-edged sword in that there is sort of this desire to be to be noticed and stand out stand out, and you do kind of get some benefits from that. You know, it's a yeah. good feeling when people compliment you on your chopstick usage, as as we all know. Um, but it's also kind of annoying when you know you're constantly, especially in the case of someone like you know like my daughter who is Japanese um to be it's I'm sure it's gonna be annoying for her as she gets older. So it's just yeah. gonna be something that I guess she'll she'll
2: kind of have to deal with. So there is this sense in Japan that, you know, people who don't look Japanese don't get seen as Japanese, even though more and more so they are. I guess I wanted to ask about cultural messages that you know you get in Japanese society overall, especially that kids might pick up on. Uh, what are kind of like the cultural uh, morals that Japan communicates that that you like or what are the ones that you don't like you know what is it about you know Japanese culture that you'd like to incorporate into your child's life and what are the cultural values that you would like to teach differently
3: hmm that's a good question
2: um I mean I love
3: Japan Um, I don't really That'll do.
2: yeah right no like uh, that's, that's uh,
3: all that's... Japan wants to hear <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I really I really do. And I don't um one thing I really don't want to kind of be is someone who kind of, you know, has a lot I don't have a lot of negative things to say about uh about Japan. Um and one thing that I really do like about it is the sort of sense of like civic responsibility that people mm. have. Um I think that's a really big one, especially seeing, you know, the what's going on in most of most uh, of the world. Yeah. Um I that aspect of um I think the way that Japan raises its kids, um, you know, obviously there's there are there's plenty to uh, to probably, you know, go on about, but I, I do really think probably that aspect is the one that I want to incorporate the most is that sense That's, of kind of yeah. civic responsibility.
2: That's really interesting because um, traditionally, I've always kind of balked at this idea of Japan looking at any kind of positive qualities, including the civic responsibility and identifying them as Japanese traits, as going like, oh, mm. you care about other people. Oh, you you like, Sure. you yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're thinking about other people. You're so Japanese. And it kind of implies that non-Japanese mm. people can't do that. But… I love that you Mm. pointed out that like you see civic responsibility through the lens of looking at other countries and especially right now with the Mm. mask debate in America about whether or not wearing a mask is something that should be mandated or does it violate your civil rights. Um, That really Mm. does kind of like suggest to me that maybe there is something on a cultural level where Japan does take other people into consideration a bit more
0: and it might also suggest that the whole conversation we had about do you want to offer them a choice that choice may not exist if only one of the two countries still exist <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, I, I think, like you say, it's not black and white, and obviously there's going to be some, you know, not everybody behaves in, in a certain way, but but I think yeah. on the whole, the fact that there is a an, an amount of care, whether that is just so as not to be perceived as being, you know, an, an oath or whatever the uh, the reason is, there is still a lot of kind of care given towards other people here, I feel.
2: What about in terms of things like feminism and gender equality mm. and diversity which some people myself included might say that Japan is way behind on mm. especially like you've got a daughter like you you want to i assume like, maybe I shouldn't assume <laughs> do you want your daughter to have equal rights then uh is this is this the same question as the hate crime
3: one should i just put them together <laughs> uh yeah i guess it's it's pretty Sorry, how I? I don't want to... Obviously, that was a joke, so I don't want to pretend like I'm actually consciously thinking of that no. no, no. <laughs> giving a response to it. <laughs> you,
0: um, we'll, we'll take that answer that you want your daughter to yeah, have you yeah, yes, yeah. I
3: want her to have you quite. Um, I definitely... I've noticed in, the, in professional environments That's here... That's the correct answer, by the way. I've just checked. I've passed. <laughs> Sweet. Um, it's definitely something on my mind. It, I The way I see it, I guess I'll have to kind of tackle these issues as I see mm. them. And from a young age the thing i've i talked about this in another interview i did actually but it was just about this idea of from a really young age here the idea of being a boy and a girl and that influencing the colors that you have yeah. on your on your school bag or whatever it is or the you know well, they really segment very quickly into into
2: genders anytime you know the the tv show that i work with regularly anytime they interview a school club They ask the boys questions like, uh, you know, what got you interested in this? What are your goals? And they ask the girls questions like, aren't you scared? Don't you want to stay out of the sun? And like they do that weekly. Any girl who's doing a martial art, they're like, doesn't it hurt? What made you want to do this instead of something else like being someone's girlfriend? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do think a lot about how to counteract that messaging that Japanese society gives to my kids. Hmm. So are they, are they out in the sun
0: all day playing judo (laughs) against their will now? I think,
2: I think we've discussed this in like, in a, in a previous episode maybe, but, but, you know, in terms of like, you know, uh, sexuality and orientation and inclusivity and equality i think i like i overwork and i I was trying to figure out a way to write a joke about like you know my girls are smart they've already kind of pegged on to this disgusting liberal anti-male agenda that I'm trying to force on them <laughs> to the point where like they'll, be, yeah, they'll right. be playing with their dolls and like they'll want to get married and one of them has to be the boy and one of them has to be the girl and they fight they're having a fight over which one's going to be the boy and which one gets to be the girl and I'll come running down from upstairs to go like uh, uh, girls can get married girls can get married they can both be girls <laughs>
0: Hey, thanks very much for listening to Japan by River Cruise. If you're new to the show, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you're old to the show, don't forget we have a mailing list available at japanbyrivercruise.com.
2: Enter your email, and once a month, we will spam you. Thank you very much to our guest this week, Dan Yoder. It was great to compare parenting strategies with you. Uh, I look forward to seeing whether or not any of our kids turn out okay.
3: Fingers crossed. Thanks so much for having me on. It's really fun.
0: Not at all. Dan, is there a particular episode of your podcast, the Konichiwa podcast, that you'd recommend to our listeners?
3: Uh, there's this one. We had this guy on. His name's Bobby Judah. It was phenomenal work. Wrong answer. I <laughs> oh, oh, forgot who I was talking to. Uh, no, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, we have a website, konipo.com. But yeah, Apple,
2: Spotify, we're, we're where you listen. We'll link it in the show notes. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week.